Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Podding Shed, the podcast of the ChelseaFCblog.com. Following our meek surrender of a two-goal lead against Southampton last week, a result so bad, so bad for Saints it resulted in Nigel Atkins sacking. We somehow managed to hang on to the fruits of arguably our most promising 45 minutes of football of the Benitez interim period to beat Arsenal in a match for which the term game of two halves was surely invented. And lo, last night we arrived in Swansea. A game that surely marked one of the worst semi-final performances of the Roman era since Claudio Ranieri's nurse the screens moment against Monaco all those years ago <laughs> and threw in some additional comedic controversy for good measure. Yes, Eden Hazard has reserved himself a place in the ranks of Chelsea's cult heroes by retrieving the ball from a Swansea ball boy, who held it up better than our current number nine manages to, in a most unconventional manner. As you might expect, the social media arena went predictably mental, along with Wapping's finest, who were clearly not amused, banding words like violence and assault around, in a desperate hope that another Cantonart kung fu kick for Ore would arise from the incident. As has been observed elsewhere, the chap was lucky it was a player as calm and as fleet of foot as Hazard. Torres would likely have missed him altogether. Branners would have probably killed him. Ashley would have shot him, while JT would have fucked his closest female relative. <laughs> Let's be honest, the guy can't have a girlfriend. And then served him with a super injunction. All of the hilarity aside, Benitez has now missed his chance at the easiest pump he'll ever get at any silverware with Chelsea. A shame we'll miss a day out at Wembley, but good luck to Swansea, all boys aside, and Bradford, who have both had superb runs in the competition and richly deserve their places in the final. Joining me this week, as always, to boot the proverbial ball boy in what Fernando Torres doesn't have, and Mark25, who is Mark. Hello. Dr. Blue Bayou, who is Donal. Good evening. And Grocer Jack, who is Tony. Good, Good evening, evening. Good evening, gents. Um, we start off back at uh, the Southampton game. Um, yeah, another, as our season seems to be developing, it's, it's, it's the impossibility of putting two decent halves of football together in one game that seems to be our problem. Mm. Um, Donald, Tony, I, th- I think you were all there. Over to you. I think, just before we start, Tony can kick it all off, but I think we ought to make it clear that um, being the... <coughs> Shed's uh, resident pedant that um, there has yet in my small knowledge of the game or indeed most sports ever been a game of three halves to say something is a game of two halves you know, is one of those football cliches that needs to be taken out and shot it's up there with your hundred and ten percent, isn't well, it? It is. Although, although I could, I could throw in a, a kind of logical argument around. Um, if I mean, if we want to go into the depths of pedantry um, and say that if it goes to extra time, it's actually four halves, which would be quarters, I suppose. But you know, the it's a, it's, it was a game of four quarters, Rod. Yes, you know. I mean, you know, I just think you know that if we're being pedantic. Um, and I'd like to throw that puzzle to Donal in how he mm. explains games of extra time because they are not games of two halves; they're actually games of they're games of four periods. Four periods, then. Okay, uh, good. Interim periods, exactly. So um, that brings Tampax yeah. in as a potential sponsor, I guess. Anyway, um, moving oh, on. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, right. Lowered the bar already. I've lowered the bar and alienated, alienated um, our female listener. Exactly, yeah. We're down 50%. You know, we've got yes. one half of our listeners. My apologies there to, mm. to True Blue Team. We have a listenership of two halves, it has to be said. <laughs> right, um, right. Southampton, yeah, get on with okay. it. 
Proceed. Um, I, I shall proceed. Um, I had high hopes um, in this particular game. I thought that in the first half, it was a drudge of a game. It was up there with the QPR. You know, I mean, it just the first half you were sitting there thinking, this is just, you know... Wednesday were, night's not suiting us, are No, and I, I mean, the, the, the people were going on about um, the poisonous atmosphere. There was not a poisonous atmosphere. There was no atmosphere. Yeah, to can't be, to poison a vacuum, and it was it was it was up there with the great dinner parties we've had at European nights. There, <laughs> absolutely, I half expected a, a Stephen Fry dressed in a butler's outfit to walk in with a bottle of champagne for us. It was just chronically bad, and 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 I would describe it as apathy. It, it's almost like the Chelsea support has given up and gone. Oh well, oh yeah, there's a game out there. What did you do last night? Oh, did you see that? You know, it was just ridiculous. Um, but that doesn't hide away from the fact... I do think the, the, the team, the players, have a huge part to play in atmosphere. You know, they, they need to generate it. They, there needs to be something on the pitch which sparks people. You know, whether it's bad tackles, whether it's exciting football, whether it's controversial incidents, that's what fires people up. And when the game is played at this kind of walkabout pace and intricate little tippy-tappy arse gravy football, which I'm absolutely beginning to detest... Okay, we are we're we're becoming Arsenal. Right? You would like to see a bit of blood and thunder. Oh, well, you know, I, I get, take me back. Give me the Mourinho power play, crushing people out of existence. Football any day. This, but we're Arsenal, not we're not signing the players for that anymore. No, we're not. And this threading the ball through the eye of a needle, bollocks. When you come up against a team, and Southampton were physically a bigger team. Every one of them. I don't think they had a player um, shorter than any of ours. That's for sure. Um, but you know, not. Big in a brutish way. They played some decent football, and they didn't come to park the bus. Um, they're a half decent side, I think. You know, they're certainly not relegation fodder. I don't think. Um, and they were certainly doing quite well under their old manager. As they were indeed. They were. I, term, they were. I mean, two defeats, in, two defeats in twelve for a newly promoted team. Not bad at all. They turned it around. You know, they were always going to have to adapt to the Premiership and the you know the, the kind of fatal. Um, you know, mistakes you make in front of goal will lead to goals against better quality teams. Um, you know, we're going back to us. Um, you know, comfortable two 0 lead. Demba Bar gets a goal. You know, that in from a position you know Fernando Torres will never find himself in again. And and it was you know brilliant. It was lovely to see. And then Hazard following in for the second goal. Um, and it looked comfortable. It didn't look like we were going to thrash the arse of them. It didn't look like it was going to be a four or five nil. But at two nil, you you just know that. I would I'd argue under Ancelotti as well as Mourinho, um, you, that would have been game over, lockdown. Okay, yeah, you get a third goal. You know that's fine. And you never really. You, you might worry occasionally if the other team got a goal back, but you would it, it would be the exception rather than the rule. In this particular case, we came out in the second half. We had about 10 minutes of um, flying football at the beginning of the second half. It was still too intricate. It was still too pissy and horrible. Oscar was not having a great game for a great... For, for, when you compare the game he had against Arsenal, where he was outstanding. Um, and when they got their goal back, the minute Lambert came on, you know, you so, were thinking. Hold on a sec, you're, you're, you're breaking up a tiny bit. All right, uh, well, it should, it should still come out in the recording, though. Ah, brilliant, that'll yeah. do nicely. Okay. Um, but I would say that Lambert, when he came on, there was a, a 
palpable sense of gloom that came over the the ground. He's like, oh shit, you know, this boy knows how to get a goal. And sure enough. Yeah, he um, changed the game really, didn't he? He, he did. And it, I, the only problem with the, the notion of it coming out in the recording is on the basis we can't hear what you're saying. Uh, we, we must be answering things that actually you <laughs> said. Yeah, I, 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 I shall use the space for miracle of guesswork, I have to say. Yeah, I shall use the um, miracle of text technology. An evening for the non sequitur. Yeah. Um, all I'll say is that. Time to prune the roses. Yeah. It could be a dream. <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that Peter Chet. Sorry to decide on you there. Give, give, give your what's it a tap, so to speak. Donald, do you want to just, just chip in with your, your four penneth? Um, yeah, I did. Generally, I, I don't really disagree with Tony. I think the atmosphere was a bit flat. Um, but, you know, I, I thought they did reasonably well first half. Uh, Southampton didn't offer masses. But, you know, weren't, weren't shocking or anything like that. But, you know, we sort of got on top. And as you say, with a two-goal lead, two goals is always, you know, there's only one thing worse than a, a two-goal lead, and that's a one-goal lead. But, uh, you know, I did sort of have it in my mind, oh, what if they nicked a goal after half-time? But I sat there at half-time thinking, well, surely, you know, we've got enough about us to, 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 to see the game through. And... Um, yeah, when when Lambert came on, you just sort of oh, when he and then he got the goal, and then I thought, well, it's going to go one of two ways now. We're going to wake up and push on and, and finish this job, or it's all going to start falling to bits a bit. And sure enough, you know, we we didn't, as has often happened this season, when when we get a bit of pushback from the opposition, they they the, the lads seem to they don't seem to quite There's have not- that cohesion. Mm. You know, they're still too easy. I mean, I drone on about this every week, but they're still too easy to pass through. We, I mean, Barcelona, God help us, we don't want to mention them too often, but they've shown that the secret to this, if you like, intricate attacking football is that you, you get the ball back quickly and you get the ball back high up the pitch. And to do that, you have to be able to press. Yeah. We, for whatever reason, do not appear to have a team that can press consistently throughout a game. There, there are some times in some games where they do it. Uh, they did it with Arsenal, it would appear, in the first half. But if, if you've got a team, say, like Swansea last night, who move the ball around quite quickly, we can't press it. Southampton, mm. we, we, we just seem to be very open. At a time in the game where 2-0 up, you think we'd be compressing. And I think the key, the key to our problem, really, is that we don't have... He wants to play this double pivot or two holding midfielders, call it what you well, like. When he, when, he, when, he was at, when he was at Liverpool, he had uh, Alonso, didn't he? And Mascherano. Well, he had any number uh, of Both players. of whom could tackle, could press, and also could pass really well. Now, Lampard can pass really well. Ramirez can't. And you're depending, you know, to, to play this type of football and, and do it well... As Tony says, you have to pick the pass. It was noticeable when Louise moved into that position. There were several times where he played, I'm not saying advocating that's where he should play, but he did on several occasions thread a ball through, either up to, to the to central forward or you know out to the wings or whatever. A sort of ball that you very rarely see played in midfield, and yet that's the sort of ball that this type of football surely thrives on. You have to have a midfield that can both defend and thread the ball. Once it gets up to Hazard, Matter, whoever, up 
you know, in that final third, yes, they, they can sort of knock the ball around really well to each other. But it's that initial ball and the transition from, from your defence to your attack where we don't have either people who can physically drive up the pitch, which Ramirez can to some extent, but Lampard doesn't anymore. And if you haven't got that, then you've got to be able to thread the long ball and, you know, pick the pass out. And, and you know, it was noticeable yeah. against Southampton that, that, you know, I mean, Southampton, you shouldn't lose, and I'm not decrying Southampton, but you shouldn't lose a two-goal lead to a team like Southampton. No. Um, you know, they, they, they're decent, but, you know, they have their limitations. And once you've got a two-goal lead on them, particularly having beaten them quite heavily in the cup a few weeks before, yeah, psychologically, and... I have to say, when, when they came out after half-time, for the first 10 minutes, they looked like a beaten side. You know, the body language was all, well, you know, it's a cold Wednesday in London, let's just, mm. you know, try and keep the score down and get out of here. And as often happens in a lot of these games lately, they seem to sense, you know, like QPR did, like some of the other teams, they somehow sense around about the hour mark that, that there's a game there to be won. I don't quite understand why, but, you know, that's... I think, um, I, I mean, I think that's right. The, what baffles me is that we're, we're continuing with this sort of, you know, too deep in midfield where we haven't, you know, without Mikel, Mikel's the only one that can really play there as, as kind of his natural role. Then the rest of the time you're, you're slotting people in. And if you're slotting one person in next to the guy who plays there as, as a matter of course, that's fine. But if you're putting two people there that, that don't play there naturally, it just it seems a bit... A bit strange to me. I, you know, it's worked in places. I, you know, the, the half we'll talk about Arsenal, but the half against them, which was Ramirez and Frank, which was absolutely fine. It worked well, but but that's where a team sits. To it. That's where a team sits off and is sluggish. Once a team starts really coming yeah. on to us and pushing hard, then we we and and the way teams can just pass the ball through us, teams of all sorts of standards and you know classes of football players. They can all part, you know, it even happened with, with Norgeland and, you know, any team you'd like to think of, teams that we might have given a tonking to. At some point in the game, they have looked dangerous because they've been able to just, you know, little twos and threes build up around the park. They overload one side, they overload up the middle. They just knock the ball and they've always got a three on two. And we always, we always seem to be a man short in the key area. I, I don't have enough tactical noose. In, in football, I haven't you know? I don't have a chalkboard at home. I, I can't. I can't do much with a couple of bottles of ketchup, other than put them on my chips. But you know, there is a problem there, which I'm sure you know, Benitez and Di Matteo and other people were aware of. But no one seems to be. You know, it's a problem that's been going on for some time. You know, under AVB, the same thing. We were just too. The last, to, the last team that wasn't that easy to play through was probably Ancelotti's team in the first year he was here. Yeah. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the difficult thing f- for me is that I mean, I, there, were, there were times under Robbie where and it, I think it's improved slightly under Benitez, but not to any great extent. But when we lost the ball under Robbie, we were, and at times we were an absolute mess. It, it looked disastrous, you know, a reasonably well-organised team. You know, when we had the ball, we were terrific and, and we, we played some great football. But without the ball, we there were occasions where well, every time United, when it all started to sort of fall apart in the, the home game against United, when they got the ball, they just 
look good going forward and, and were able to just pass through us so easily, like you say. Um, Mark, your, your thoughts on Southampton and um, our, our inability to cling on to any kind of lead? Well, I'm obviously a simpler soul because uh, I don't really analyse the game in that level of technical detail. But actually, this double pivot does worry me in that a pivot is a thing on which you rest something to, <laughs> to rotate or oscillate. And if, you have, if you have a double pivot, it means it can't rotate because it's sort of supported at two points. Um, so I think that is the problem. We're, we're trying to introduce something that's physically impossible. <laughs> I think that sounds about right. Um, but aside from that, um, I was a bit surprised against Southampton because I thought our problem was that we didn't know how to break teams down in the first instance, and therefore they could continue to park the bus. But once we'd opened them up, I thought, you know, and especially with a two-goal lead, that they'd have to come out. And I was expecting in the second half that we'd get um, six, just like, you know, we got five when we went down to Southampton, that Southampton would have to come out, the pitch would open up, they'd That's have just, driven yeah. the bus off the park, and we'd just um, have a fun evening of, you know, even Ashley Cole getting one towards the end. Uh, so I was completely shocked that um, we managed to throw a two-goal lead away against a team like Southampton. Yeah, it, the thing was, you know, we got we had Bar starting, which which is what what folk wanted, and you know he got his he got his debut goal, and he's you know he will hold the ball up better than um, than Torres will, and, and he will, well, he'll, he'll do most things better than Torres will. Let's let's be reasonably honest about it. Um, but it's just it's it's very very odd, and you know like like you say I'm sure there are, there are folk that will tactically analyse where our problem is, um, but this this is the issue with Benitez. The other thing that, that's a recurring theme, which I've no doubt we'll discuss again, and you know it was especially apparent last night against Swansea, is the substitutions. Mm-hmm. And Tony, I, Tony, I'm checking you're still there, and you haven't dropped off the edge of the earth. I'm free. Marvellous, you're sounding good as well. Um, is is that you've you've picked up on before? Is that we, we managers changing? You know, completely changing the game from substitution. We haven't really had one since Mourinho. In general, you know, managers will sort of shift things about a bit, tweak it, like for like on seventy minutes or thereabouts. Which is, you know, it's all a bit frustrating. But Benitez seems to really struggle with. See, a you know, presumably he sees what everyone else sees and sees that Plan A isn't working. But you know, in the old another football cliche that probably needs shooting, there's no, there's just no Plan B. There's not not any more options now. Whether that's limitations in the squad or limitations to do with him, I suspect it's probably a little bit of a mixture of both. But you know, this whole double pivot thing is as eloquently summed up by Mark. It's almost it's. Impossible with what we've got available to us. Wasn't weren't some of our games one of some of our best games earlier in the season with Mikel and Ramirez in there? Um, they they seem to gel quite well. Combo, yeah, yeah, and and obviously with Mikel out. And, and to be honest, I'm not quite sure that Benitez fancies Mikel anyway as a player. So he doesn't um, seem to, does he? Um, which is odd, considering we just gave him another five year contract. But um, I, I, you know, I've come to the yeah, I'd walked out of Southampton game thinking okay you know that can happen to the best of teams um, but you know events since then have, have led me to the firm conclusion that um, you know what we've got is a mutual agreement with Benitez to see us through the end of the season 
he doesn't become the forgotten man of football because he's back in the shop window. Um, and we are biding our time for, you know, for, mm. I, I've made it perfectly for, for plain. Precisely who, yeah. Yeah, well, mm. I've I've made my view quite clear, and I'm, I'm you know, if nothing, if not a dedicated conspiracy theorist, um, and I believe that Ashley Cole signed a year's contract knowing that it wouldn't be Benitez next season, um, and that the man who hunted him down and got himself into a lot of trouble to get him... Um, could be the man who's coming back. I, I firmly believe that. I really do. I, I, but, you know, well, whether he is or he isn't, Tony, we're, we're now in our, in our second season of yes. waiting and seeing. I, I, I couldn't know. agree more. Uh, what should uh, have okay, been... we, we, we won the European yeah, yeah. You know, last season and everything, and I'm uh, you know, eternally grateful, etc., yes. etc. Et but in terms of the overall drift, of, and it is a drift of the football club, we, we are now... You know, it seemed when they got hold of Ancelotti, and, and I, to this day, you know, that was, that, that's where I sort of decoupled emotionally from this manager business, when they got rid of Ancelotti, who I, I still, I know there was a part of the fan base, well, there always is a part of the fan base here or there that you disagree with, but some people seem quite happy for him to go. I thought to get a manager of his quality, um, you know, we had someone there who they could build something on. Yes, uh, that second season wasn't great by any means. Yes, he didn't win us the, the Champions League, but I, I thought there was a man of experience who players responded to and something to build on. Since then, we've had AVB in, turfed him out. Di Matteo, you know, I, I fervently tried to believe that they that he was going to be given a proper run as a young manager and they were going to let him build the young team. But deep down, it wasn't a shock when they got rid of him so quickly because they obviously never wanted him there. It, he embarrassed them by, by winning the Champions League at the wrong time with the wrong team. Yeah, um, and we're now, we're now looking... We spend our, our days, you know, in terms of managers looking to the next horizon to see who is riding over to come and, you know, bring us to the next Nirvana. It, it's just, and, and all that happens is either pestilence, death, you know, war or someone else turns up. And one day all four of the fuckers are going to turn up at once and that'll be the end of it. The four horsemen of the apocalypse will pitch up at Stamford Ridge and place an enormous pile of manure. Yes. And, and this right is, on you know, doorstep. Well, and, I think, and you know that they, they've got I, I, to I'm sort it out. Think, I'm beginning to think they've done it with Benitez. Um. <laughs> I, I, no, Benitez isn't great, but he's not. You know, this is a this is a, a more deep lying problem. I, you know, players they're professionals, and you know, I think by and large they're putting an effort in. But you know, there's no you can't feel there's an overriding philosophy or anything for a player to buy into. No. You know, they're just uh, trying uh, to keep their, their jobs, keep yes. fit, keep, you know, keep yeah. themselves in international... And that is my my point, um, you know, we sort of drifted into the, the conversations about the manager again, which which we undoubtedly will do endlessly, but... That's that's the thing, it, it is an ongoing issue, it, it issue is, Chelsea, John. so we will speak about it, it's, yeah. it's just the way of things, but I, I don't I, want to get too bit bogged into no, it, but yeah, go uh, ahead, go I ahead. guess my point was, is that... Uh, uh, you know, as Donald was alluding, alluding to there, we should be in our first or second season of transition. And we're not. 
because we've got nobody who's guiding that plan through. So we've got these fabulous players who frankly know that Benitez is going to go at the end of the season. There is no strategy there. There is nothing to say long term this is what we're going to do because, let's face it, since Roman Abramovich took over in 2004, there hasn't been one. You know, we've done it. I think the comment came out when we sacked RDM. Presumably, we've got a replacement lined up and a plan. And, you know, you could could almost (laughs) see people... Dropping to the floor with laughter, like those, um, like the robots in the Smash adverts. It was just think, like, what? Are I, you think that's, about? I think this is the problem, and, I, and I'll try, I'll try and, I'll try and summarise it, and, and we can, we can shift on and have a, have a look at Arsenal. But you're absolutely right. This is the whole business of it. If you use Barcelona as an example, which I know is a, it's a ridiculous. They're a one-off, but Cruyff went there with a vision in mind. He had, he had an ethos to him. And, and said, right, this is how I want things to work. And it took them an awful long time to build it. And they went through managers and eventually, you know, they hit the peak with Guardiola. And, you know, the guy who's at Villanova, whose name is the guy who's taken over, has sort of carried on the work. Yes, they've got fantastic players, but there's an ethos there. And, and it's almost, you can see it at, at Arsenal and United as well, in the sense that when the current incumbents leave... There's a plan. You know very well that, you know, obviously events overtake sometimes and, and their plans may be, may be flawed. But look, look at who we played last night, John. Yeah, exactly. You know, That's exactly. They, they, they started with, was it Paolo so- Sousa? It was uh, Sosa and then... Sosa. Uh, f- forgive me if I got his name wrong. Then then they, they had um, uh, um, Martinez, didn't yeah, they? Roberto Martinez, then... Then, then was... Rogers and, and now Laudrup. And yes, you know, they're not all the same people. They don't come out of, out of a tin. But they all... But there's an ethos there. There's, there's, a, there's a footballing... They want to play football. You know, and that's why ball boy nonsense aside, you know, I, I've, if we were going to lose to someone, lose to Swansea. You know, let them have a day in the sun because they've worked for it. And, you know... They, they've built their success by, yes, okay, managers have come and gone, but they've looked at it as a, you know, we're going to try and do this a particular way. There's an overarching, you know, ethos to the thing. Saying that, they'll probably be relegated by May. That's <laughs> like Birmingham. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, take, I, think, I think you're exactly right. It's that sort of that's, trying that's to keep a continuity. And, and we've, this, this came up on, on the blog, uh, Pete Watts raised, raised the point, and, and we've all picked up on it. But it's very difficult to see what Benitez is actually about as a manager. Mm. If this, there doesn't seem to be a particular style or a, where does it, you know where he fits into the grand plan. You know, he, well, he and that's the point I'm making. He's he's he knows he's in the shop window. He, he yeah, yeah, exactly. With, with this assignment, he does not become the forgotten man of football, much like George Graham did once he'd left Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, uh, or like Alan Pardew. No, 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 I, I know I, we're not comparing. You know, I'm not. Comparing no, 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 no. I, 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 I agree entirely. Yeah. But my point is, is that I don't. You're absolutely right. Yeah, his his motives for for taking the job are, are absolutely clear. And if if you remove all the, all of the Liverpool baggage and take all of that stuff away, if his style his style of management and his style of football. If if you know we're led to believe that you know Roma Roma wants his his. Barcelona Mark II in Southwest Six. You just wouldn't have picked a manager like Benitez, irrespective of all the baggage. It's one of the, you know, it's like it's sort of 
kind of a Spanish Dave Bassett. It's like, you know, why would you employ him if, if this is what you're aiming at? Even if it's just the interim to keep things ticking over, it just doesn't make sense. So the problem is who? He is handling himself quite well. I mean, I thought, um, I don't know if you heard the interview uh, when he was interviewed by Talk Sport after the game last night. Um, and the interviewer was going on about the Eden Hazard debacle. Mm. And he kept pressing him. But he, he handled himself very, very calmly and professionally. Yeah, and I have been impressed true. with the way he's coming across. So his football may be rubbish. And people might say who are about to employ him, well, he hasn't really, you know, he's been given, he's playing the hand he's been dealt. He just has to get on with it. But as a manager, in terms of um, his sort of status in the game, I, I think he is coming across well. So people might just employ him on that basis. He he's, talks the game. I think you're right. He, he's actually, he's coming across better. There were times at Liverpool where you almost cringed at, <laughs> this is turning into a horror the, 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 sque- the squeaky door in the background. Um, <laughs> there, there, there were times at, at Liverpool where I think when we we beat um, we beat Liverpool at the Bridge. I think it was two 0 um, Crespo got one, but it was the game where Robin um, took a, took a bit of a comedy dive when Rayner shoved him and Rayner was sent off, and he he really he just lost the plot. And there are certain. I think you're absolutely right. I think he's improved on that sense, but. What worries me is that the comment that Matarazzi made in the week and how he reacted to that. It's the kind of thing that you can Vince, get... Vincent Price has left the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's the kind of thing that when we go up to Old Trafford in April, whenever it is, that Fergie will just chuck a little quip in about, you know, well, there's no photos of Mourinho here. He doesn't have to worry. Something along those lines. It's just the the kind of little dig he specialises in, which just worries me it's going to set him off. Um, but I think you're right to to a large degree that, yeah, he's he's a lot better and he seems a lot more relaxed than he was at Liverpool. Probably because he knows, you know, he's, he's whatever he does, you know, he's got a job until May and whatever happens, you know, he's, He's back in the shop window and off we go. But, oh, but I mean, he can't be too relaxed if, if um, he thinks he's got to perform in the shop window. <laughs> well, who wants to perform in a shop window? Um, oh. Whoever's door that was squeaking, if you just email me your address, I've got a half-finished can of three-in-one in the garage. I will mail it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely not me. Definitely. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's Mike. I, I am the owner of the squeaky door. Okay. I, I, I'll, I just I'll send you some. I just thought it added to the general shed ambience that we're trying to uh, trying to create. Oh, right. yeah. it if, me. if you can't wait for my three and one, if you just use the high quality virgin oil you get from Waitrose, yeah. that'll do. It. Yes, <laughs> thank you. It, it just remi- it reminded me of the uh, the gimp scene in Pulp Fiction where they go to get the gimp out of the box and you just hear chains <laughs> and doors opening. I was I was I was I was more in the mind of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, um, I think. Yeah. We, do do we move on to Arsenal? If anyone has, I, I think. I think the only thing I say, um, Benitez, there, there are issues, you know, around what is he trying to do, etc. But then he's also having to play with the squad he's got. Um, he may feel that he hasn't quite got the players in the in the positions. Blah blah blah. But perhaps some of what's happening is just the sort of thing that happens when you have, you know, a young team that's been put together, you know, really this season, um, perhaps has had to switch its playing style, mm. you know, mid-season, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to, you know, no, no, I just, offer a few thoughts. And, and that 
these sorts of failings are perhaps the sort of thing that that happens when you're trying to put a, uh, all these elements together. Um, you know, talented, quite a lot of talented players who, you know, by and large seem to, to to put the effort in, but it's just not quite happening at the right moment in the right way for them. And you know, this sort of inconsistency is perhaps a part and parcel of that. Um, I don't know. I. You know, I, I think we, we have right. we have to stop comparing everything to to, to the Mourinho years because it, we're in a different situation and a different stage of development and so on and so forth. That's true, and, but it's, 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 it is the benchmark by mm. until Frank. You know, whether it's 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 looking increasingly unlikely now, but mm. until someone comes along and, and kind of matches that success or, or or gives the club its sort of aura of invincibility back. Mm. There's yeah. always going to be that comparison, and I think I think it's 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 been a real issue for us over the course of time. And it's it's interesting in the sense that Ancelotti won the double, and yet still, mm. to, we 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 still refer back to Mourinho as that kind of golden era. We've won the Champions League, yet still we refer. Yeah. It, it's almost like nothing will slay the ghost, either until either he comes back, which you know whether we think is likely or not is anyone's guess, but. Um, whether he comes back or, you know, we miraculously find someone who, who repeats the feat, mm. I think it's always likely that, um, that, that we're going to hark back to those um, those days with, you know, with, with a certain degree. Of I, I think, you know, as, as you say, we, we can tread this all, all night, but the only thing I'd say about his arrival was he was arriving with a, a team that was in a development stage that Ranieri had brought it to. There was... A group of players here who'd been assembled, it was a team of great and, players. and you know they they'd had a couple of seasons of building up, you know, adding these different players in over a couple of seasons. And Mourinho was then able to, you know, he'd analysed that team. He wanted to come to Chelsea, and he was then able to bring in some of the players that he wanted yeah. to, to really, you know, pull the whole thing together, which he I mean, did brilliant, he, which he did brilliantly. He did. Since since then, no one's. Uh, and this is not anti-Mourinho, this is just where we are now and the problem we have is no one's really had that luxury since no. of, of That's right. you know, building on a, an already credible set of players, putting in some of your own, uh, particularly, you know, seasoned winners like Carvalho and so on, and, and taking the thing on from there. And, um, you know, that's... That's going to be a problem on on into the future. And, and I so mean, I think that's a good point, actually. I mean, it could be that um, Mourinho's greatest skill is not actually in management or whatever, but his his skill is in identifying the tree with the low hanging fruit. Mm. And he goes yeah. to that tree, yeah, possibly, and then takes all the fruit and then leaves um, the next person, like um, Rafa, when he goes to Inter Milan. With um, a few mouldy apples stuck halfway up the tree. <laughs> it's, it's a. It's, it's, it's an are you are you going to ring up Matarazzi and tell him he's a mouldy old apple halfway up? No, but it's true. No, I, I think. I mean, Mourinho is just an opportunist. Yeah. I think. I, listen, you know, he's he's a very good manager, but yeah, I, I think there is a degree of truth in that that he he pitches up. He has a knack of pitching up at the right place at the right time. He brings a couple of his own people in, you know, who know what he wants, moulds them into to what he needs, wins trophies, moves on, and um, 
it's it, it's interesting in the sense that you know Real Madrid has has a sort of a kind of an ethos about it. It's not quite Barcelona, but it has a kind of an ethos about it, and he's done well there, and you know kind of seen Guardiola off out of Spain to to a degree. But it's it's all starting to the wheels are starting to come off now. Um, and you know where's his next stop and you know for me the current crop and I think we've got around this off we do need to move on to Arsenal but for me the current crop that we have now would benefit with a couple of you know a decent midfield enforcer another striker and one or two little tweaks elsewhere and it's absolutely ripe for someone like Mourinho or someone like Mourinho for Mourinho to to take hold of it and say right now I'm going to turn you into winners because it's a promising side it's a very good squad and, I, and I, I go back to the if you if you get from a purely business perspective, from a CEO or an owner's perspective, it's a massive revenue generator. It will be. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, yeah, you know, it's it, Mourinho is box office. Absolutely. Wherever he goes, you know, he, he, he creates. So you know something about his arrival creates um you know. Well, whatever you choose to call it, but yeah, he's he's, he's absolutely box office. There's no question about that. Right. We can we can ramble on about managers again another time, which I, I'm absolutely certain we will do. Um, Arsenal. Time, John, to take us up the Arsenal. Indeed, yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, so, yeah, I t- you know, we, we were without a home win for well through through the whole of January. Um, the game stayed on despite the um, the snowfall in London, which was um, which was encouraging. Um, and yeah, it's sort of slightly surprising. I, I, neither Tony or I were there. It should be. Yeah, I, absolutely. Well, neither, nor was I. So <laughs> maybe there is. It wasn't a Wednesday night, but we weren't there. <laughs> there I'm not sure something. whether it's the fact it was a Sunday or whether we weren't there. We've still got to work that one out. Sorry, carry on, John. Yeah, you know, and, and slight concerns that. You know, Arsenal are, are looking reasonably tidy, albeit with their traditional Arsenal frailties. Um, but you know, fifteen, well, sixteen minutes, quite tellingly, in two 0 up and, and and playing really well. I mean, Arsenal weren't particularly at the races, but it shouldn't detract. It was probably one of our best halves of football under under Benitez since he's been here. Um, Matter got the first, and frankly, the, the first touch worth the admission price alone it was um, it was a sublime bit of football he's got quite a good first touch for a small man he's, he has, he has <laughs> a fine touch for a wee lad so to speak um, the, the second goal I think um, Chesney was probably lucky to stay on the pitch albeit that it would have been a little bit harsh in the sense that Ramirez looked for it in, in a, the use of another football cliche that probably needs to um, needs to die quietly somewhere um, Frank got um, yet another goal which stuck him I think seven from Tambling's record so he's, he's closing in on it quite nicely um, we, we look pretty decent um, Mark your thoughts yeah I mean it's it's hard to know really um, on the basis the game turned around completely in the second half and we were just there desperately hanging on were we great in the first half and Arsenal were rubbish I'll have to rephrase that. Were we great and we just outplayed Arsenal? Or were Arsenal rubbish? And in the second half, they managed to turn it around and they played better and we sort of lost it a bit. It's hard to know when you're good and the other team's bad, really, isn't it? Mm. I just, certainly with our form at the moment, yeah, very tricky because 
the, the, the feeling was was that I thought we did we did very well, but at half time, the general consensus amongst Twitter and wherever else was Arsenal are in no way going to be that bad in the second half. They just, they didn't you know it, exactly what the the problem we've we've just been discussing about the ability to press. They just didn't press us in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, even Wilshire, who's, you know, the great white hope for English football and, you know, there's a makings of a decent player there, which just wasn't in the game. Um, I thought Ramirez had an excellent game because he's had quite an indifferent season, but he was, um, he was pretty smart, I thought, and pro- probably our best player on the day for me. Um, it's, it's difficult to know. It, it, the thing that came up on, um, on Twitter more than anything else was, what the fuck did Fat Boy say at half time? <laughs> because <laughs> because we we came out and looked at a completely different side, um, as did Arsenal, um, and um, and on they went. And I think part of their problem, and admitted they had a couple of players out, um, part of their problem for quite some time has been um, the ability to, to fanny a gra- around a great deal in the um, in the final third of the pitch, but not do anything particularly productive with it. Um, and that's exactly what they suffered from because I suspected had they been a bit more precise, they probably could have killed us off in the second half. But um, just my thoughts. Um, Tony, your thoughts? Um, I thought it was reminding me of the good old days to some degree. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I think... Do you mean the good old bad old days? No, well, good old bad old days. I, I just think people have, you know, I mean, the... the the levels of sheer unadulterated misery that seem to invade the <laughs> web of, of Twitter after the game we'd won, oh, uh, you know, we were shit second half and people throwing the old, you know, complete logical fallacy out that, you know, Benitez did nothing, you know, to make us play well, but he was in complete control when it all went wrong. It's just rubbish. And, uh, uh, you know what? We've played teams like that before, um, where we've dominated and then they've come out and done it. It's me. It, it's almost the archetypal Chelsea performance. And as far as I'm concerned, we we probably learnt more by that because now we know we can go through um, a, a comeback, a battle with the other team, and hold it and, and and see it through. So I think the team, the squad learns more from that than if it had come out and scored another couple of goals in the second half and, and cruised past uh, an Arsenal team that were never going to come out of the second half and, and perform as badly. They would, you know, that was, it was all on the cards. If, it, if I'd been there, I would have said, you know, they did it last year. We were 2-1 up at half-time and they came out and they bloody stormed us in the second half. Mm. You know, and everyone went, it was AVB's high line and all that old tactical bollock stuff or whatever. But the fact is... They're not a bad team. They're not as bad as people make out. They may not win any trophies, but they're still a you know top five, top six team, possibly even you know with a late run into the top three or four. And so for us to be so arrogant as to sit there and think, Christ, you know, we can just cruise past them, I think it's just crazy, really crazy. I think we should take some credit for destroying them in the first half and taking full advantage of their you know faltering start to the game or whatever. And in the second half, we should be pretty bloody proud that we held out and Gary Cahill's intervention in the dying seconds of that game which did get overlooked by a lot of the press was absolutely was world class yeah. Yeah, absolutely world class so I think you know uh, me you know if you're a neutral when you're watching that that was everything about the premiership that's good game of two halves 
not four quarters is the case no yeah well, I, n- I never saw the game and j- just to build on what Tony was saying the, the, the thing that came through to me listening to it on the radio was that on numerous occasions in the first half when we were well on top the, the, the commentators seemed to be intimating that you know the build up play was great and then the final ball you know there'd be two or three players waiting just to be slipped the pass and, and knock it in the net and you know someone would take a shot from, from a tight angle instead of cutting the ball back or you know there was two or three, there was a sort of exchange of passes into the area. It just needed that final pass, slip it to someone in space, and, and there'd have been another goal. And there did seem to be, uh, you know, we'd got, we were 2-0 up and playing really well. And it, again, maybe this is, is the folly of youth. This idea that, oh, you know, I, I might as well have a dig myself or I'll take this, you know, take on one more player because, you know, I'm brimming with confidence and excitement instead of, a bit more calculating and thinking, too, yeah. yeah, he's in space, just knock it to him because we can be... Th- and the, the impression I got, and it may be erroneous, was that we, we should have been three or four up at half-time um, quite easily um, with just a, being a little bit more clinical in, in front of goal. I don't know because I, I've only seen like the match-of-the-day highlights, but certainly listening to it on the radio, that's the impression I got. Well, we should, we should observe... It. To kind of couple up at that point for, for 80 minutes we were playing the invisible nine formation yes <laughs> the- which and, and I think that this is not not the Benitez needs to say a great deal to annoy the faithful but you know his his suggestion that you know he played a a huge part of the win or whatever it was was well you know enough said um, but just just to pick off you know as, as we are proving that we are live on a regular basis um, Joey Barton has just tweeted I hasten to add I don't follow him it's been retweeted um, just written a piece for tomorrow's times the mind boggles frankly but we shall um, we, we wait with bated breath to see what it is anyway back to the chase um, just one more thing on Arsenal yes it was bloody freezing that day mm. and I would like to raise a motion that bobble hats are banned from football grounds in that I don't mind the bloke in front wearing a hat to keep his head warm. But why does he have to extend it in height by six inches with some ridiculous bobble that obscures the goal at both ends of the pitch? <laughs> was, was this a proper Hoxton bonnet, as it's known? Was this I wouldn't know about of... that, but I mean, they were everywhere. They were very yeah. prevalent. and um, a Very Nordic, a sort of Nordic look. Would you describe it as that, Mark? Well, I'd just describe it as a bobble hat. I mean, you can <laughs> picture that. And um, I'm, I'm not unusually... Short, have- I'm not unusually tall. I'm of average height. So if an average height person is in front of me and he sticks another six inches on top of his head... Hmm. I would- no, I, I'm just talking for, for the listeners who may not live in the more fashionable parts of London like I do, um, and maybe of a certain age, that when you say bobble hat, people yeah. normally assume the sort of more traditional beanie-type hat with a bobble straight on the top. You know, so that the the gap between the bobble and your skull is merely the thickness of the wool of the hat or the, you know, polyester yeah. uh, or whatever mixture and your hair. Whereas the Hoxton bonnet, Nordic style of hat, yeah. which usually also has some sort of ear things and a couple of strings hanging down very often, is is designed to actually sit on the head Make and like then an come to a... Yeah. 
come to a sort of bit of a point which then may well have a bobble which either goes straight up or hangs down to one side and so on and so forth. I mean, I, this is purely just to, to help the listener form a picture because bobble no, doesn't fully describe the, the horror no. that you're okay, talking then, about. Then to help the listener, and, and you mentioned those who don't live in the more fashionable parts of town, so, so those who live in the um, least fashionable parts of town, um, I would describe it as the typical sort of hat worn by people in cloisters in the 1970s. In on, their, on, on their skiing trips. <laughs> Sorry, I thought so, you were referring to monks. No, no, no. That's where the royals go skiing. Sorry, I thought, I thought you were talking about your days in, in, in the monastery. We won't go into that now, anyway. <laughs> um, I, it's, I think it's it's a valid point. I think um, it's clo- as everyone corrects as everyone corrects my mispronunciations. I, I may and and obviously Roberto Di Matteo could help us out here, being Swiss. I believe it's cloisters as opposed to cloisters. If so anyway, do carry on. If you're post, yes. Um, I think. Well, I think it, if we're going to discuss kicking ball boys out of football, I think kick bobble hats out of football is a. Um, is a reasonable um, is possibly even a reasonable tagline for this podcast unless we come up with anything more amusing kick bobble hats out of football um, have, have we done Arsenal I mean we won that's that's the main thing and you know it was our first home win of 2013 which um, frankly it does seem strange that we sort of we've spent about 30 seconds talking about beating Arsenal when like 10 years ago you'd have sort of it used to be a given up your granny for, for a win someone did comment the other day that there are always more posts on the blog when we lose yes that's yeah, uh, it's and he's right yeah. yes but the greatest love songs are always written in the pain of you know being dumped or whatever aren't they? no one ever really cares about happy songs so. we're just happier when we're bloody yeah. we've, beaten, yeah. we've beaten Arsenal twice this season We've done the double over Arsenal this season. But you're beating I, I Arsenal, think there was a, Arsenal a, home and away is no bad thing. Whatever happens, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a, one of a, the two big London derbies that yeah. we play. You know, the, the other one being on Sunday. We, we, beat, we beat Spurs, Arsenal, and Leeds away. Mm. There's a person on Twitter who's uh, who's done the record over the last I don't know ten years or something like that. Chelsea stats, I think they tweet as, um, and the, the record since um, the Mourinho years is absolutely phenomenal. It is utterly phenomenal. Whereas before that, I don't think Ranieri actually ever beat them, apart from the uh, the European night. <laughs> You know, it was, it was one of those. So it's a, it a massive turnaround, really. But so, yeah, but that, uh, that was when, that was when beating Arsenal was. I mean, it's always been enjoyable beating Arsenal, but that was what a night! Oh, that night we was, could go back. That was yeah. oh, it was uh, wonderful. I think I think that's when that team or that sort of nucleus of players realised that they could really go somewhere. I know it all, you know, went to ashes in in, in Monaco, but. You know that that was a big psychological step up. I think it was, well, it, it, but it it, it, it it ties it ties in nicely with with my intro, which was obviously the reference to Claudio Ranieri's "Nurse the Screens" Monaco moment. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. So, but, but let's say this: he had his "Nurse the Screens" Monaco moment in Monaco, but at least in the second leg when we were trying to get back, while right, we were at home, at least they made a half decent fist of trying to make a game of it. They did, Which yes. I, you leads know, us into, you know. Yes, it's a game. Well, it's it's a leg of two halves. It <laughs> <laughs> really isn't right, isn't it? It's, it's sort of... well, yeah, legs are generally two halves, aren't they? Yeah, and the knee yeah. kind of divides it. Yeah, it's just very true. Very true. Well, it's, uh, I, I hate to I hate to be picky now, but as a man, <laughs> as a man who is 
oh so well aware that uh, no greater a man than Eddie Merckx part of the reason along with other physiological things and probably I don't know other aids had um, longer thigh bones than is normal in a, in a, a man of his stature so you can have Yes, your leg doesn't doesn't uh, isn't halved by your knee. You can have either a longer or shorter thigh bone to to tibular fibula situation going on. I'm sure now that someone will point out that I'm talking cobblers, but I, I do believe that we're not talking a leg of two halves. We're talking a leg of you know any number of sections. Yeah, but it's still only got the one. Well, it's actually got two pivots as well, hasn't it? Because you've got your ankle and your knee. There's your double pivot. <laughs> I think um, I think actually what we need is is we need our, our listener ship to um to like 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 they do on on, on points of view and um, in, in the corrections page in in the Times and so forth is 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 to write indignant letters you know pissed off of Tunbridge Wells dear sir don't Donald Foley referred to the leg being of uh, this is of course absolute nonsense as any orthopedic. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It would be nice if we got indignant emails from listeners. So, you know, if we talk shit, just tell us about it. Well, I'm sure there's a medical there's a... student out there who's, who even today was spending their lecture measuring yeah. the skeleton and, and so on and so forth who can tell us. I, I, I think it's a great idea to have the Podding Shed's very own version of Pedant's Corner. <laughs> Let's let's be honest with us in there. It's going to be pretty bloody crowded. <laughs> we could have a phone in afterwards called you know sicko sick or something like that, where people could then ring in. And, you know, like they they sort of have points of view. They, they have like questions. Sicko they have, sick. They have question time, don't they? And then they sort of have like a follow up to question time. You know, you, once you've got the brand, you've got to you've got to push it. We've got to push it. I, I think, you know, given given after our discussion about the possibility of live broadcast last week and, and uh, the three of us that, that were on at the time looked over our half-moon half moon glasses and said, live? What are you talking about? That'd be foolish. <laughs> um, anyway, Swansea. Like Swansea. We, we, we move on to Swansea. 2-0 um, down after a couple of Branislav Ivanovic howls at the bridge and I thought he looked a wee bit on the nervous side last night I think it um, it, it all got to him a little bit um, we, we travelled down to Wales through um, through the sleet and snow in you know vague hope that we could summon up the spirit of last season and pull off another Napoli and um, and get ourselves a nice day out at Wembley at the end of um, at the end of February alas mm-hmm. it was not to be um, we will cover the um the ball boy incident later on, but uh, Mark brave the um, brave the elements and travelled down there. Um, your thoughts on the game? You, you know your day out in Swansea, Mark. Tell us about it. Um, indeed. Well, I arrived there um, about quarter past five, and it was snowing very heavily. Um, I mean, you could barely see out of the train. It was coming down like a blizzard, as in cloisters, or should I say, cloisters. <laughs> um, <laughs> The links are beautiful. I was half expecting the game to be postponed. Um, but anyway, I went down to the Marriott to check in because three and a half hours back after the game, fearing it might go to penalties, would just be impossible. And as I was checking in and I was waiting at reception, who should walk up beside me but the lovely Eva Canero, huh? our physio. Oh. 
Blimey. Yes, yeah, you're referencing mm. you very fine And um, we said a few words, exchanged pleasantries. I shook her hand. And um, the team was just checking out. So actually, contrary to what you might read on a few websites today, you, you know the chairman of Swansea owns a upmarket hotel in Swansea? Yes, apparently so. And, and, and there were a few headlines saying, ironically, Chelsea stayed at this hotel. Well, clearly they didn't, because they were just getting onto the bus to leave the Marriott as I was walking in through the entrance. Right. Hmm. And, and Eva was just checking something out at reception. So they did stay at the Marriott. Uh, so they got there Tuesday night. And I did ask, were they staying there that night? I thought they were just getting the bus down to the ground, but actually they were travelling back after the game. So obviously they didn't want to spend any more nights in Swansea than absolutely necessary. Reasonably sensible. Um, so I've shaken Eva's hand, um, something that you'll all be bitterly jealous of. This is, this is Indeed. Just, you, are, you are the celebrity man, aren't yeah. you? And, and interesting, the other week. interesting point is that the team stayed in that hotel the night before I did so I can say and I'm trying to work out which player will sound best for me or worse for me I have slept in the same bed as and then I've got to fill in the space I mean who knows who slept in my room the night before is it good for me to say I've slept in the same bed as Fernando or John Terry I'm sure John's not choosy if he's desperate (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, our listenership, there may be be someone... You're a computer man. How come you haven't hacked into the Marriott's, you know, sort of central booking server and found out who was in there? I am doing... I have sent the pubic hairs off for DNA sampling. (laughs) (laughs) It's not very clean at that Marriott, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds sounds all a bit life of And then on to the game. But, I mean, the less said about the game, the better. I mean, um... Nothing happened. I mean, you would have expected yeah. a bit of siege, but we just limply um, gave up. And I think that was the issue. I, that I think that was the turning point for me on the the the, the, the Benitez inspirational or whatever it is that they're supposed to do. Um, apathy, um, lack of drive. Long time since I've can remember many Chelsea sides who wouldn't have at least like. Donald said, "Gone and made a fist out of it." Even, you know, uh, even if the expectation was that you know the car crash that we saw at Stamford Bridge had done the damage anyway. But uh, shame. It's one of those things, you know, when you, when you look, the, the, the painful thing about all of this is is that you don't really, you know, it's it's not like it, it's it's long in the past that you know we managed to pull off miracle of all miracles that Champions League win. With some, you know, with some remarkable games along the way, and it just feels like a very, very long time ago. When you watch games, it appreciably, you know, these things happen. But when you watch games like like last night, and Swansea over the two legs, we put in a decent performance in the, the first half of the first game. Blew it, you know, Ivan blew it, and and they scored, and we, we just really didn't haven't given an account of ourselves over you know the last three halves so it does exist um, of that of the two games yeah. that's, and interesting that's there the are two legs there are two <laughs> and each leg has a half as we've just Absolutely. agreed so that's why there are two halves uh, four halves two halves to each leg so yeah four halves two legs we could uh, I, I think my my chief I, I I was having a little bit of a rant on on Twitter last night, but I think uh, uh, I, didn't I, 
Uh, well, I, I honestly believe that we are going to saddle ourselves with being the worst champions of Europe ever. I, 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 we have now lost, you know, or been knocked out or failed to make any real dent in five out of what originally started as seven trophies that we were up for. Um, mm. The eighth being, of course, the Europa League that we've dropped down to, you know, which is a bit like, you know, at our golf club, we have the Dennis Bishop trophy. And if you lose in the first round, you drop down to the Dennis Bishop plate. Um, you know, so it's a catch-all for the people who are shit at golf, like me. And it's a, to me, you know, it's just, have, you, have you ever won it? No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, I'm emulating the very football team that I've. <laughs> as, as we as we're sort of circling around body parts and so on this evening, when you say the Dennis Bishop plate, is that sort of uh, sort of some? Denture type thing mounted on a, on a bit of marble, you know, his, his old, but with, you know, he had one tooth knocked out when he was young, so he had this sort of plate with a single tooth on it, something yeah, like that. Is that what it is, or are we talking like a piece of porcelain? I've never got spot removed from Dennis Bishop at any point. Do you know where? Or is it the plate that was in his head where he got shrapnel in the war? You yeah, I've never got far enough to actually find out because you know I'm a, I'm a I'm a great I'm a great sulker. Once I'm knocked out, I can give a shit about the rest of the competition, really. Um, so, I, I think I you need to report the, back next week on yeah, what exactly is Dennis yeah. Bishop plate. Yeah. And, and, and are you being entered into the, the Dennis Bishop Memorial Egg Cup this week? This week? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, we need a third. We need a win, mate. I'm, just, yeah. you know, I'm pulling for you here, but a third tier competition. Um, that's uh, the point. I, mean, uh, I guess the point um, I'm making is, is that last night seemed to sum up that you know we, we talked earlier on about the fact that you know it, as a transition season we've pretty much blown it because there's no strategy and we just look awful. I just think that we watch games like that last night and you think uh, a goal, a, an attempt on goal, um, some attempts on goal, a plucky display from Swansea who held out or whatever in the end, but they had nothing to really hold out against. And yeah. and I just think that when you look at it, and, and I just want to make the point here while I'm knocking Benitez, of course, I think the first, we, we've we've now failed in five of the seven stroke eight that we could have gone for. Three of those, of course, Robbie, um, we, you know, we, we failed in the Community Shield, we got ourselves knocked out of the Champions League, which we were already knocked out when Benitez took over for oh, his yeah, last yeah. game. Uh, and, 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 of, and of course, yeah. the, uh, the Super Cup. I mean, you know, now it's the League Cup for Benitez and the World Club Championship. But even so, you, you would have liked to have thought... We've not really we given a great account of ourselves. We've not had the old individual decent yes. game, but yeah. in terms of the competition as a whole, we've not given a decent yeah. account of ourselves. Uh, and I, I think Actually, the, the worst part about last night is we can't even blame Torres. Mm. No, no. I I didn't see the game. I had to. I had to work late, so I, I would had to suffer. Well, talk radio. I mean, I don't mind. So Matterface isn't bad, but um, and a, a Chelsea fan, I believe. But. Um, well, what came across from the whole commentary was that it was just so flat. You know, a fair play to Swansea. You know, they, the first 20 minutes, they played possession football almost to prevent us really getting at them. But it, they just didn't seem to, you know, there seemed to be a genuine surprise from the two guys commentating on the game how little, you know, that, and the first sort of 20 minutes said, OK, fine, maybe... You don't want to sort of go gung-ho in the first 10 minutes, have them go up the other end and score, and then it's all over. So you bed in. We're expecting, you know, a bit of pushback now from Chelsea and, you know, 
up to half time, nothing happened. Okay, so they've got through that. There's there's 45 minutes of football, plenty of time to score a couple of goals. They're going to come out after half time. They came out after we're at the hour mark now. They're really going to have to make some changes, you know. And they they kept sort of you know expecting something to happen. And it never did. And then we ended up, the substitutions were sort of uh, Luis for, for Ivanovic and, you know, um, uh, Bertram for, for Cole, you know. It just wasn't enough. At some point, you know, they should have sort of, you would have thought they'd have taken one of the holding midfielders off or pushed him right up, taken one of the defenders, thrown them up there. You know, Fergie and people like that, you know, in the end, winning 2-0 down and there's 20 minutes to go. They just throw them all up near the goal and, you know, hoof the ball in. It's You, you just, you do what you have to do, don't you? And at I, no I, point I, did we I, do that. It no, just... I, I believe the phrase you're looking for, which sums it up, is you would be going for the shit or bust. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you're going to go for it. You've got 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes left. You get 2-0 down. I mean, you've got... Well, that, to be honest, Tony, as, as we've spent a lot of time talking about cloisters, perhaps we'd be talking about more of, you know, throwing up the old Hail Mary um, rather than shit or bust. Which, but, you know, that's just a personal yeah, preference. Exactly. Quite. Fair enough. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I don't, you know, that, that's, as I say, I didn't see the game. I only listened to it. But that, the overwhelming uh, emotion coming across from the commentary was, when are they really going to give it a go? And, you know, it just think, never seemed to happen. I think that's that's the problem, is that it just, it was it was so underwhelming in terms of, you know, the spirited fight backs we have seen in the last year, 18 months or so. And it just didn't happen. That that was really all there was to it. Um, and, think, and again, not, not getting at Benitez, but I, my understanding is he likes to play a very disciplined, structured game. You know, there were stories when he first came about how, you know, Steven Gerrard came off the pitch having had one of the games of his life and Benitez would take him to one side and mention a missed tackle, you know, in the first five minutes or something that everyone else had forgotten about. And perhaps if there is that um, sort of aura about the the way the team is being run, in some ways players, you know, it, it perhaps reigns in a, a bit of their natural... Uh, you know, on a night like last night, you think, well, everyone will just go for it. You know, let's go for it. If we lose, we lose. But, you know, if you feel that every move you're making is being watched and critiqued, then perhaps it makes you a little more restrained and, and less um, willing to go for it when perhaps yeah. another day you would. I, I don't know. That's just... I think, um, actually, as, as a Benitez analogy, I, I, I'm not going to get dragged back onto the, the whole issue of, of managers and, and so forth, but I remember he, um, one of the times when he was criticised for taking Gerrard off and the Liverpool fans were, were less than impressed with it, was a, it was a Merseyside derby. I think it was one all at the time and he took Gerrard off and I think put Lucas on. Um, this is, you know, a few years back now. And... Lucas basically made the difference. You know, Gerard was was running around like you would expect him to in a Merseyside derby and was giving it his all and had a good game. But he took him off, put Lucas on, and Lucas basically created the winner, you know, fairly late on. I thought, I've got, it might have been Dirk Height that got it, but... I yeah, I seem to remember what you're talking about, yeah. And, and Benitez said, you know, sometimes you need head as well as heart to win games mm. like this. And I thought it was actually, you know, I, I don't regard the guy as a manager, but I thought it was actually a, a very sensible, you know, quite a... 
Hmm. A good thing to say. And I actually thought about it last night, and I looked at us, and I thought, hey, we, we don't have head or heart here. Yeah. That, that was really what concerned me was, was you know, if, if we're putting it in a, in a Ray Winstone, Cockney film type way, there was no arsehole there. There was, mm. it was just devoid of any real... But they'd shown a bit of that up at Everton. They, you know, they've shown it at times yeah, as, as, a, as a team of players. So I don't know why on a night like last night where I can understand you don't want to concede the third goal too early on in the game. Um, but equally you need to sort of impose yourself. And, yeah. you know, that's not... To, uh, Swansea... I'm not trying to say, oh, Swansea were there for the taking, we only had to turn up. They obviously played their part in, in yeah, setting right. up right. They had a two-goal... You know, defending a two-goal lead is supposed to be a desperately difficult thing to do. And they did it very well uh, and fair well, play I to think, them. But, um, you I know, think, it was... That's absolutely right. They were, they were, I think they were exceptionally good over the, t- over the two legs. And I, you would sort of feel for... Michael Laudrup, if he's found himself on Roman shortlist of, um, of potential managers of the performance like that, but they were brilliant. I thought Ashley Williams over the two legs, I, as individual performances go, you'll you'll rarely see any better. Because you know, let's be truthful about this. You know, whilst we have our problems at the moment, shutting Chelsea out with with the talent we have on the on the pitch mm. over the over the two games, that's no mean feat. No. Yeah. I mean, Ashley Williams, of course, should be, you know... Should be dead, obviously. He should be uh, serving time or on bail or something, but... Uh, for, for, yeah, for it should be, yeah, so it's Robbie Van Persie that should be dead, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I digress. Um, shall we, so I, I think that's the concern. I think, you know, what we're about to talk about, actually, A, over, overshadowed two things, overshadowed the, the really poor nature of our performance... Um, and it overshadowed Swansea's achievement, which I thought was was pretty good. You know, and we, we should we should credit them and credit them often because they they played very very well over the two games. And um, you know, tidy outfit. So yeah, they were. And you know, it, it's it's the whole. Did they create a great deal? Not a huge amount, but you know, they took their chances where they came. And you know, if if the, for, isn't that know, what we used to do? Well, exactly. Yeah, you know. I mean, it is difficult to say that, that they didn't really look like scoring up at the bridge that much, and we handed them the two goals. <laughs> and of course, last night they didn't—they didn't have to come out and attack. But you know, had it been nil-nil going down there with us, you know, with a chance of the away goal, would they have played a? Di- of course, they'd have probably that's, played a different style. And you don't know if they would have scored. But that's it. Yeah, that's it's the test, isn't it? It's, it's how would how would it's the two howlers that, that changed the whole nature of the game. And to to be fair to to remit, um, to Benitez, he he wasn't responsible for that, and you know that's just one of those things that happens. But it changed the whole nature of the, he the was contest. Just, he was responsible for the performance in the second leg, and it, mm. it was just it was just abject. It just mm. did, didn't work. It um, must be something. I, I, <clears throat> how did you find the Marriott? Did you get a decent night's sleep, um, Mark? Yeah, I used my sat nav, and um... <laughs> no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering whether it, whether there was something set that one up perfect. Something in the air, something in the air conditioning, you know, in the Marriott that might have induced some sort of you know dreadful inertia into the team. That was really what I was trying. Well, I did speculate on the um, blog today because um, when I spoke to Eva, it was quite a long, in-depth conversation. It delayed the bus leaving. I mean, that might have been part of the reason they were half an hour late getting to the ground because Eva just wouldn't leave me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she said um, they were in the hotel having their pre-match um, 
she didn't even say pre-match meal it's just their pre-match but uh, I would be fascinated to know what that was so I said it was probably a very large portion of lasagna with um, some heavy red wine because mm. um, that's butter pudding to follow yes <laughs> um, so that's how they played so um, mm. but I don't know it could have been the sleep yeah. I, the, the reason I mentioned bread pudding is that famously I played rugby at school uh, in, in uh, one time and uh, I remember one game we was for our lunch before we went off to the game we were served you know whatever the first course was and then we had this bread pudding and while it added 14 stone a man to the to the scrum it meant that we couldn't actually get from one side of the pitch to the other because it was just weighed down by this enormously heavy bread pudding um, I digress which I never normally do um, that's quite alright that's quite alright um, we, we will move on to the talking points of the game um, now I've seen I, I think we should acknowledge that there are many many things that, that lead us to believe that football has truly eaten itself and disappeared right up its own arsehole this was just I mean it was A hilariously funny um, not that some folks saw it that way um, but the, the absurdity of seeing a ball boy who was a well frankly you know he's a ball man he's, he's 17 ball, and he's, a half. he's old enough he to could be fight, off. fight in an army and you know Christ knows what else yes. um, could be taking taking a bullet for Prince Harry over there you know and, and now someone will ring up and say the army never ship people out till they're 18 or something <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter um, the that we, we've reached the point where you know he you know he clearly dived on top of the ball and, and you know was evidently either instructed or took it upon himself to, to waste as much time as humanly possible. I think Glenn Hoddle actually picked up on a something earlier on that happened earlier on, like ten minutes earlier in the game, where the ball rolled past him and he could have quite easily stopped it and he sort of strolled back picked it up and, and rolled it back slowly to the goalkeeper so and if if his twitter feed is actually genuine had said earlier in the day you know i you know they want they want time wasting or i'm there to time waste or whatever it happened to be um hazard obviously was a little aggrieved and you know i would suggest that if you're going to start screwing around with a professional footballer who has a a reasonable degree of drive to win as they all do that, that's starting to screw around with him and, and laying all over the ball you deserve absolutely everything you bloody well get um, Hazard clearly toe pokes the ball out from under him despite the footage that Sky spent merrily showing over the, or the aftermath of last night um, footage has now become apparent that he clearly did kick the ball because you can see the ball popping out from under this stupid little arsehole. Um, a huge great fuss over nothing. And, you know, obviously we've, we've had the usual Twitter storm. We've had journalists pulling all over it and using words like violent and assault and God knows what else. Um, apparently, they're, they're, you know, there are various police forces dealing with members of the public who've called and made complaints and frankly they just want to go and fuck off and die as far as I'm concerned <laughs> these, must, these must be the same twats who ring up the ambulance when they've got a nosebleed and shit like that and <laughs> fill up accident and emergency yeah. when their toenail drops off absolute <laughs> bunch of shithouses um, I'm not keen as you, you may well have gathered um, so all in all just a little bit of a, a strange occurrence um, Hazard will 
public opinion seems to be sort of kind of tipping his way because people seem to have found out that this, this kid is the heir to a, a vast amount of money and is clearly a bit of an arsehole. Um, but people are also probably now watching the footage. I, I, I listened on the radio and you've got the term ball boy, so you think of some 10, 12-year-old kid. You hear that Hazard has kicked him. So you have this image of a, you know, a ball boy holding onto a ball and this Belgian, muscled Belgian fellow walking up and just give it a And, you know, so, and they were outraged. Of course, talk radio, um, always completely understated about everything, you know, rolled <laughs> into outrage straight away. So I had this vision of some appalling nonsense having gone on. And it was only when I got home from work, um, it was actually this morning, because uh, I was home so late, I just went straight to bed, but I watched it this morning. And like you say, he patently is lying on top of the ball and it's not, he doesn't kick him, he pokes, he sort of toe pokes the ball out from under him. I think the, the point is, his yeah, foot, we are talking a his race. foot barely leaves the ground, you know, it's yeah. not a swing, his foot is about an inch off the floor just so his studs don't get stuck and he gives it a little dig. We're talking a man who comes from a race of people who used to pride themselves on lying on top of a ball and letting 15 New Zealanders absolutely welly the living shit out of them, but they'd never move off it <laughs> until the referee blew for a penalty. These are men who understood the word rucking, and there he is. A bloke toe pokes a ball out from under him and he's rolling around. Um, it, it just, it sounds terrible. You, you listen to a report on the radio, they talk about Hazard kicking a ball boy, and you think this has gone out of, you know, this is, you know, players of uh, getting out of control. And then you actually see the incident. A ball boy is supposed to retrieve the ball and give it to a player. When I actually saw it happen, Hazard runs after the ball and he gets to the ball at the same time as the ball boy. The ball boy doesn't need to go to the ball because the player's going to the ball. A ball boy is supposed to retrieve a ball when it's a long way away from a player who doesn't want to be running in that direction. Hazard runs straight off the pitch after the ball as it goes off, and the guy sees him coming and bends down and picks up the ball just as Hazard gets there. Yeah. In the, in the interest and of balance. turns his back and either tries to get away or trips over or falls over deliberately and lies on top of it. And Hazard at that point, fair play, he should have just put his hands up and turned to the referee. He shouldn't have got involved. And yeah, you know, he should, uh, if, he, if he gets a, a one-game one ban, he got a red card. It didn't really affect our outcome anyway. At one game, I mean, to get a three-game ban for that is, is ludicrous. Because he does think technically it's violent conduct. Yeah, but it's, it's not. He went for the ball and he caught the man. That's you know no, he, arguably call the man. Arguably, he makes full, yeah. he makes full contact with the ball, and then takes the man. And it comes back to Chris Foy's game management. Chris Foy must have been aware what was going on. He is responsible for that's, game management. That's, that's, game that's management a very good point. includes what is going on around the pitch. I think yeah. that's a very good point. In the sense, you know, we we have we've had our, our, our recent history with Chris Foy, and you know it was quite clear that there was time wasting going on and it just needed a word in someone's shell like say look get the word out pack it in and it, 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 it was just it was, in, in the it was, end in the end you had to send him off you know the, the players have to stay away from from ball boys and other people they can't you know 
all right, Rio Ferdinand can go around kicking female stewards. But generally, <laughs> players have to stay away from... You know, yeah, you just you don't do it. It's, so you have to establish that, and perhaps in the end he had to send him off. Fair enough. If he has to serve a three-game... But any talk of adding on to that... Oh, did you know, no, it would be ludicrous. If, if the FA are going to sit down and watch what actually happened, they can't possibly say that he deliberately aimed a kick at, at the guy. He obviously... Yeah pokes the ball out from underneath him so if they if they do add any more onto it and to me they should probably cut it down to a game anyway we would tend to suggest that, that you know I mean, there are these stages aren't they the incident happens in a game the initial reaction the uh the, the hyperbole the um statement about whether or not the police are going to get involved then you know the pro- has the prime minister actually spoken about the incident yet? We've still got that. To- well, he was off. I, he's he's, he's oh. off talking about Europe or something. He's in another ski resort, Davos. <laughs> pronouncing it right, or is it Davos? Wasn't he a Dalek? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's just cooking up. As someone, uh, one of the um, that journalist who covers uh, is it Horncastle, the guy who covers Italian football. He said that back in 1960-something or 70-something, um, a well-known Italian footballer gave, <laughs> gave a, a ball by a good kick one night when he didn't give the ball back quickly enough over it. It's, well, this, a, it's not the first time it's happened. No, I think, and I think this is the point. This is, this is another classic as, as everyone using football as, as the prism to, to view through which to view how ghastly the world is and how utterly ridiculous it is. Um, I, can't remember, I think it was this year, and I can't remember which tennis tournament it was, but David Nalbandian, didn't he, he booted a hoarding and, and yeah. you know, there was a, a line judge or whatever it was sitting behind it who ended up with a bloody great gash in his or her leg. And it was kind of, you know, it was all dealt with, you know, there were apologies issued and that was that and no more was said about it. But, you know, obviously because it's football, it, you know, it's it's... It's the decline of Western civilization in microcosm that, you know, there's violence against children on a pitch. As, well, as the obviously, obviously it has, I'd say to the FA, you, you've got to kick it out campaign. That's what I did. <laughs> what did I do wrong? I well, kicked that, it out. This know? is it. And, and it's, um, it, it, it all just, it all got slightly off hand. And Mark, you were there. Obviously, you didn't have a particularly great view of it, but I don't know. Was there a, any sense of, how all this was unfolding as you were leaving the ground after the game. I presume there was there were plenty of people looking at mobiles, going, "Oh, blimey, this is all kicking off." Um, what was going on as you were you were heading back to your um, your former footballers' dwelling at um, at the Marriott? Mark, Mark, he's cloistered somewhere. He's gone. He's gone. Um, fill in, chaps. Um, well, we have a slight technical error there, dear listener. Um, here's some music. So there's this judge sitting there in the cape like fucking Batman with this really rather far-out-looking hat. Wig? No, man. This was more like a long white hat. So he looks at the car man and he says, What's all this? This is a court, man. This ain't fancy dress. And the car man looks at him and says, You think you look normal, Your Honour? Can't give him two years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I'll, 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 I'll jump in and feel there. I think. Um, I, I very much. I, think, I just, just hold a second. I think Mark may actually be back. 
No, he's not. <laughs> no, it's, it, this is just like live television. It's fantastic. Oh, uh, I think he's back on the... Uh, no. Um, it's, 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 it's all got a bit Norman Collier, hasn't it? Yeah, has been, yeah. Um, the dangers well, of broadcasting from Benghazi. Absolutely. I think Mark is back online now. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Mark. Earth to Mark. <laughs> There's, there's a lot of beeps. No, C3PO's on, but oh, Mark hang isn't. <laughs> hang, hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. His capsule, his capsule is circled round behind Uranus. We've lost all comms. Yeah. Hello, speak to me. I'm calling him back. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Gone. Mark, are you there? This, this is, this is uh, the, perils, the, the perils of live broadcasting. All I can hear is, is, is beeping and untoward sounds. Listen, yeah. we'll leave those beeping and untoward sounds in the background. Tony, fill in. Um, I, I was, uh, be, I, the, be the test card. Come as, on. You, as you well know, I, I um, very much adopted the Nevin stance on this one. Pat Nevin was pretty heroic. Uh, he was exceptional the, today. He, he And he really gave the BBC breakfast sports guy, you know, some... He some, gave him both barrels, didn't he? He did. You know, um, let me answer the question. It was it was like a great episode of Question Time or watching Paxo destroy somebody, you know. It was uh, it was very good. Um, I, I had a little tete-a-tete through Twitter with George Riley, who is the sports presenter on um, Five Live Breakfast, um, because I was so infuriated by what I heard whilst showering this morning. Um, which was, you know, Eden Hazard, Bully Boy, Kicks, um, Ball Boy, etc., etc. And they brought on this little old Welsh lady who was in the crowd. Um, now, you bear in mind that a lot of people would be waking up to that news and thinking, oh, you know, whatever, you know, this sounds interesting. And the, the story that was given, um, but bear in mind there was no mention of poor, unfortunate Darren Potts, who spent the night in hospital having had a yes. quiet, so, nasty yeah. head injury. Let's talk about this um, ball boy. Now, she described him, bearing in mind, I, I'm adopting the stance of somebody who perhaps doesn't know about football, um, because this, this was echoed when I went into work, that um, this footballer, basically, she said that he went to give Hazard the ball, she was right there, she went to give Hazard the ball, but it was very slippery and icy around the side of the pitch. And he slipped over and fell on top of the ball, and the footballer came in and kicked him. I was like, and they were audible <laughs> gasps in the studio. I went fucking bizarre. I said, hold on a minute, let's have some balance here. Go and watch it, because what you've done, right, is you've given an absolutely false representation of anything remotely like what She described him as a little boy. <laughs> now, if someone, my mum or my nan would might have described me as a little boy at seventeen, to my hideous and lifelong embarrassment. But you know, you're not a little boy at seventeen. He and was no shrieking violet. No, and and I I actually think like everybody else, it's been blown out of all proportion. They were Mark Saggers, um, uh, no, uh, <laughs> a person I normally <laughs> like. He's out of control. <laughs> you know, his response on Twitter was pomposity. Ex- you know, well, aside of else, it was it, it was inaccurate. It was you know, it was one of the most yes. awful things I've ever seen in a football field. Well, no, I agree. I, I think he should be oh. punished for that. Mark back. is back. He's I'm back. back. Yeah. Yes. He should be punished. I think. Um, for misre- misreporting, misrepresentation, and I think he should be forced to make a public apology to Chelsea because he was yes. saying things about um, Ron Gourlay and Bruce Buck, mm. and you know how ashamed they should be. 
Well, they shouldn't be ashamed. Which is nonsense. I have to say, let's let's just add the point, as well as Pat Nevin, who you know, who obviously has a role within the club in terms of you know he's writing for the website. He, he was you know he should be wheeled out more often where there are things like this to deal with by the club because he, he's exceptionally good. You know, he's considered, he's smart, he's eloquent, and, and he, you know, and an ex-player as well, which obviously is a big advantage in situations like this because an awful lot of ex-professionals have actually come out and said, this is ridiculous. He quite clearly just tried to topo the ball out from under the guy, and that was that. Um, but given that, you know, some of the the PR disasters which we're, we're pretty much renowned for and have been renowned for for a number of years the, I thought the club did very very well with this because there was no messing about there was there was no you know he was trying to dislodge the piece of turf under him to create a shockwave to knock the ball out from underneath the, the boy and uh, you know it didn't quite work out like that kid invited to the dressing room sorry man invited to the dressing room him and Hazard shook hands. They apologised to each other. Hazard's statement was absolutely clear cut. It was none of this, you know, sort of considered apology, which never actually says sorry. You know, it was basic. It was straightforward. At the end, there was one word: sorry. That was that. And I thought the club actually handled that very, very well. And with Nevin's response on top of it, I think it, we've actually done ourselves a, a lot of good because for me the weight of opinion seems to be kind of swinging back towards Hazard now I think once people see it it's just exactly it's, you know, the, the sort of saggers type thing the worst incident they've ever seen on a football pitch they're obviously you know relishing people. relishing clicking into YouTube to see a six year old given a shoeing from one end of the pitch to the other and they probably watch it and think well Cockin' hell, the bloke obviously gets in his way trying to take the ball away from Hazard succeeds in doing so then lies on top of it and won't get off it, and he toe pokes the ball out from under him. Enough said. You know, the red card, you know, it can't be stressed enough. Hazard should have just stood back, but, it's, you know, that's easier said than done. And, you know, he, he, he's right to apologise because he could have, you know, hurt the guy by sticking his boot in there. He obviously could clearly see the ball and caught the ball quite full on. Um, a good player. But, but, but for, for, for all the, the sort of... The, uh, it's the overreaction, I think, is making... People like Mark Saggers are being made to look extremely stupid. I sit in an office, they're, they're, there's Arsenal fans, there's Tottenham fans, there's all sorts of people in there. They were all laughing. None of them, none of them yeah. were frothing with outrage. They were all ah. just saying it was just... And, you know, th- there was obviously the, well, the bloke deserves it. The bloke didn't deserve it. He was arsing about and he's stupid. Um but, you know, we've all been 17 and, and so on and so forth. Um, it's like the little kid. That day, the little kid went to shake Stephen Gerrard's hand and then gave him the old fingers on yeah. the nose. Yeah. Now, I'm not advocating. I don't hit my own children. I don't think people should. But if Stephen Gerrard had clumped him round the ear hole, <laughs> yes, we'd all have been outraged because we're Chelsea fans and we'd have wanted him home. But who, you know, who could really have said, you know, if, if you're going to do that to someone, you know, on primetime TV, you know, one of the sporting stars of the country. To, you know, to, you know. to, to, to prove how, how far this is, has now travelled, I picked up, there's two things I picked up on. One earlier on, Hulk Hogan is quoted on the matter as basically saying the kid should have got a dig for it. Who asked? Who who was interviewing Hulk Hogan? Went, I know what I'm going to ask him. 
the fuck is that all about? <laughs> and uh, it's up there with Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz supporting Brentford. This one. Well, this, this is it. It's it's a, it's a bit like the Terry thing, which was obviously a lot more serious. But and and lots of things since the Ashley Williams. You know, was he trying to murder Van Persie? In the end it becomes something where you all just sit back and look at the media and some of the people who, who commentate on the social media and you just end up sitting there thinking, for the love of the living God, what has got into people? What's happened? Yeah. What? As you say, that, that, that guy, the West Ham guy, you know, a serious head injury, the evidence that's coming out of the States, you know, from American football, from ice hockey and so on, about, about concussions... And, you know, just one bad concussion, they're standing players down for a year. Any money you like, he'll be out in about a week's time, running around, heading the ball, getting kicked, which is, you know, in, in a lot of sports now, people are seriously looking. That That is a serious incident. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and the Eden Hazard thing trivialises yeah, stuff like that, nonsense. I'm afraid. And, and, and mm. I... I Totally agree with you. It is absolute nonsense. And I mean, it should have been offered up as a, as a as a bit of stupidity. Yeah, he got a red card. You know, shouldn't have touched him. But, but you know, this is all quite funny. Why look at the way the exactly. guy rolls around on the ground? You know, blah blah blah. All, all, I, all I wanted to it, do it, it also it, it answered it answered the question. You know, are, are, are the youth today? Influenced in any way by what they see on what they've seen on football well, pitches yeah. over the last ten? I, th- I think that sums it up without doubt yeah. because the kid rolled around like a fucking tart yeah. way you know literally hands up to the referee and um you know a salutary lesson there i think sorry yeah go on sorry i, I would I, I, sorry I, I, just just to chip in i just on my twitter feed there's a uh, a chelsea fan that i follow his tweets as follows topical just seen spam a lot in the west end where the knights that say knee went off to kick a ball boy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think oh, when, I played, when I played rugby at college, we had to play the South Glamorgan Institute, which I think was more Cardiff, you know, sort of more this way than way out west. Mm. That the game we dreaded playing, full of young, you know, students, well students, and they were as hard as nails. And they were as hard as nails because most of their life was spent going up the valleys on a Wednesday and getting the crap kicked out of them by a load of miners and, and so on and so forth. What, what, what is happening to Wales that this, that this sort of youth is, is there? You know, this isn't, this isn't what... Uh, someone, did say, someone did say Hazard was guilty of kicking a miner, and I did think, well, <laughs> that can't be right because they've closed all the collieries. But there you go, that's I, I just a want vaguely make, political statement. I just want to make a point here, that the, the, the one thing you said, you went, you go into an office where it was pretty much derided or whatever, but I work in an office where there are a lot of people who have nothing more than a passing interest or very little interest in football, who, I walked in this morning, and they were outraged. This professional footballer's kicked a little kid, because that's what they've been told, that's the picture they got. Yeah. And I walked in, and I basically, I, 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 to the tune of Hang the DJ, was singing, kick the ball boy, kick the ball boy, kick the ball boy. <laughs> right. um, and it, it, I, it, I was met with outrage. You can't say that, you can't. And I said, no, fuck him. He, he pretty much shouldn't have done it. He has one <laughs> job there. That's to get the ball back to the player as quickly as possible. Exactly. And he, he didn't did, fucking and he's do taking it. the piss. Yeah. And then I went on, because I, and I did steal this joke from somebody off Twitter last night, but um, it should only be a straight red if the whole of the ball boy goes over the line. That's as far as I'm concerned. 
Excellent. If FIFA had deployed ball boy technology when they had the chance. I run. I'm going on mute for a second. <laughs> Tony's just off to choke for a moment or two. Um, I think this is, you know. Yeah. Football will eat itself, and, and that's exactly what's happening. That's the thing. I, I think if we're truthful, you know, we've, we've had a jolly good old laugh about it. I, you know, you try and see how anyone came over a serious side to this. And you would worry for anyone that, that, that is morally outraged by yeah. by what happened. Yeah. Um, Mark, we, we lost you along. We, we, we are pleased to have you back. You were obviously there. What? Um, I just, I'm just interested to know what happened as you were kind of going away from the stadium and, and what, the, what the reaction was and, you know, what, whether people had sussed out it was starting to become a real issue or not, which I presume they, they must have done with, you know, access to mobiles and so forth. But what, uh, what was going on on site at the time? Well, um, just 10 minutes before that incident, uh, the ball boy on the opposite side of the pitch um, was wasting time and that the ball had gone out by the corner flag. Czech was waiting in his goal for the ball and the kid, and this was a small ball boy, he, he looked like 13 just dropped the ball two or three yards inside the pitch by the corner flag right. and started laughing. And Czech had to come across and get it. And he got a lot of stick from all the Chelsea fans behind the goal. Mm. So I would say that they... Um, either they were advised by the club, by Swansea, to waste time, or if they weren't advised by them, then um, they were out of control. And just like players, uh, you know, if, if the players have a fight on the pitch the club get charged with failing to control their players. And I would say that the FA should take it seriously and charge Swansea for failing to control their ball boys. Because if they hadn't Not an unreasonable point. that, then they're out of control. And surely they're ball persons, aren't they? In, in the well, modern parlance, you know. They all look like boys to me, to be fair. So I think we can say that they were mm. in this particular circumstance. But when it all kicked off, Ashley Williams the accused murderer, came charging across <laughs> to... Um, he, was, he was rather upset, wasn't he? ...attack. Um, he was going to hit Hazard, I think, and he had to be restrained. Oh. And they did bring about 30 or 40 stewards down to that side of the pitch to um, hold back the Swansea fans, who also looked like they were about to invade the pitch and beat up Hazard. So it did get all a bit ugly. Um... But, it, you know, the reaction was completely over the top. But I, I would like to see Swansea charged. I, think it's, I don't actually think it's an unreasonable point. If, if there, there seemed as... Because I think Glenn Hoddle referenced the incident you were actually talking you, you talked about there. If there was some kind of, you know, either move to... And we would add now, we are not in Sour Grapes territory. We lost the game. That was it. That was fair enough. But, you know, if there was a genuine movement towards wasting time and we should we should also note as, as has been briefly referenced before that the, the kid in question um charlie morgan or his name was is a son of um one of swansea's largest shareholders so you, you do have to ask the question as to you know whether someone said look if it gets to 70 minutes and we're we're doing yeah. all right waste a bit of time you know it's not really in the spirit of the game is it and no, i mean a couple well, of years well, back he, he do you remember when that. um when Stoke used to take long throws when um, What's-His-Face was playing? Uh, Delap. Yeah. They used to hand uh, the towel to Delap when it yes. was wet. And he would dry the ball off. And when an opposing player asked for the towel, the ball boy refused to give it to him. Mm. 
and that was raised in an is- as an issue, and they weren't allowed to do that. Again, that either the towel isn't available for anyone, or if it is available, it's available for, available for both teams. Exactly. And I don't, I don't know if Stoke was charged, but they, they certainly had to change their behaviour. I think you're and right. And therefore, yeah, Swansea right, had actually. to change their behaviour. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where the FA would actually do themselves a few favours if when, you know, they announce that Hazard's, you know, three-game ban inevitably stands or, or whatever, whatever they decide, to also actually say, we don't condone any football club wasting time um, in terms of, you know, giving the ball back at, at throw-ins and so forth. Um, and in the, any future incidents will, will be, um, you know, will, will be dealt with by the FA. Something along those lines. Just it's one, of, it's one of those things that depends on people. It shouldn't happen. It depends on, on clubs and, and so on just being, you know, reasonably sensible and decent in that, you know, you also get the opposite thing whereby some teams have like a hundred balls and four million ball boys and you know as a player you must go to those grounds in that type of game and think Jesus Christ when am I going to get a break you know I I bet in those sorts of games people go down with injuries a lot because as soon as the ball goes off another one's on you know there seem teams want to play with this sort of up tempo keep the game moving and you're trying to get a break you you know you boot it out into the stand straight away another ball is on and then you, you have the other type of game like last night, where you can't get hold of a ball for love or money. You know, how many times have you seen a ball go into the crowd and they won't give the ball back? And there's not a spare ball to be seen. Next week you're watching a game and there's three, four, five, six balls all being thrown onto the pitch at once by, you know, hordes of ball boys all around the place. It's, you know, someone needs... I think we... Some sort of public inquiry. Royal Commission... (laughs) Well, a royal commission. Has it, I think they should be taught a lesson at Swansea. And um, you may remember the English rugby team got um, in trouble for dwarf chucking. <laughs> and I, th- I think those blokes should be sent down to Swansea and chuck the ball boys ten yards into the pitch to show them what it means to actually chuck something back. <laughs> I believe if you stood, I believe if you stood for Parliament on that basis, you would, be, you would probably get a few votes. But it comes down to game management. Chris Foy and the fourth yeah. official particularly, maybe Foy, he's got a lot to concentrate on the game. The fourth official standing there, he can clearly see what's going on. At some point, he should be summoning either someone from the bench or someone from Swansea and saying, "Stop if, get them to stop dicking about. It's either you or it's them or it's both of you. Either way, we're going to no. just keep adding time on all night and yeah. we'll be here, you know, into the early hours if this keeps going on. Mm. And, you know, and for a, a ball boy like he did last night, he actually went to the ball when the player was clearly going to pick it up himself. Yeah. That, that has got to be ruled out. That's a no-no. You know, mm. you, they're saying, well, Hazard shouldn't have gone anywhere near, you know, should have waited for the ball boy to give him the ball. No, Hazard run off the pitch after the ball. The ball, yeah, the ball was there to be picked up. If he'd run 20 yards down the line and wellied the bloke, fine. But he was following the ball off the pitch. He was perfectly able to retrieve it. And it was over by the corner flag. The ball boy had no business going to the ball, you know, and, and they've got to sort of just a few basic, simple things. Ball boys pick up a ball when it's required of them by a player. That's all they do. They don't go chasing after balls and lying on top of them and all that sort of nonsense. It's simple. And the, the referee or the fourth official should be responsible for keeping his eye on that. And if you can see that sort of shenanigans going on, you know, 
at, at, at the next interruption of the game, get someone to sort it out. But you know, but you know, it's, apart from that, that sounds a bit po faced because actually it was quite. Overall, yeah, you know. I mean, uh, luckily he didn't get sent off when the game was two all going into extra time or something like that. Because that, yeah, it it didn't make any difference. I think had Mm. it done, you know, there were probably more discussion about it. It, um, yeah, I I think it it was a a fairly farcical, albeit slightly amusing end to um, a pretty dismal game, which. you know, like we say, it, um, you know, there was the chance of a day out at Wembley, and um, we enjoy ourselves at Wembley usually. And um, yeah. fair play to um, to both Swansea and Bradford, and I'm sure it will be um, quite an entertaining final. Um, obviously, you know, if, if we're looking for um, you know potential pratfalls, um, we have your archetypal cup tie on um, on Sunday midday kickoff at Brentford Griffin Park. Um, we would. We would hope that um, a slightly more purposeful Chelsea turns up for that because um, we might find ourselves in trouble if we don't. The other thing worth mentioning is, of course, that they, they're playing two games a week now and, and sort of three or five or ten over Christmas, you know, for the la- for quite a significant amount of time. And I think that's maybe taking its toll mentally on a youngish side as well. You know, yeah, just that well, sort of, that constant, you know, th- there's no time to sort of break away and... Three games go through your tactics and so on and so forth. You know, like United jetted off to somewhere in the Middle East after their game the other night, after the, the game the other night at the weekend. And so they've had a week there, you know, preparation and so on and so forth. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not decrying it because obviously it, it shows that you're, you're being successful, but there is that, you know, you get into that sort of slight treadmill where when you're having problems... Sometimes people say, well, it's good to have another game to get it out of your system. But equally, there may be things that, that Benitez wants to do, which he doesn't get any time to do because we're playing. No, no, I, I, agree. You know, I think that's right. Weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. And, and that's been going on for quite a while. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, this, this is the interesting point in the sense that um, our, our, our week and what we will be covering undoubtedly on the next podding shed. Um, the week coming up, we've obviously got a cup tie at Brentford on Sunday at midday. Um, we have Reading at the Bridge on. It's another Wednesday game, isn't it? I think next Wednesday. Yeah, is, that, is that Reading? Oh, sorry, at Reading. Sponsored by Waitrose. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then we're up to Newcastle on um, on Saturday the second. So it's another three games. Newcastle themselves, they're playing on the Tuesday, but obviously they've got the weekend off because they they went out of the cup. So yeah, they just they have less games than we have. Um, yeah, no, I agree entirely. It's um, the games are coming thick and fast, and um, you know when you when you start throwing in the um, the Europa League into that equation as well, it's only going to get more mm. tricky. Albeit that you know we may well not have as many cup competitions to worry about by then. But um, the games come thick, and the ball boys thicker. There we go. <laughs> um, Anyway, I'm I'm going up to Newcastle and, and spending a weekend loafing around up there, which um, should be amusing. Mark, are you um, you travelling up to uh, to northeast or? No, I've done my trip this season. I went to the Sunderland game and stayed in Newcastle and had the weekend and nights out in Newcastle. So um, we've done that. But I'm going to Brentford. And oh, good work! Well done. I might have a spare ticket actually for that. Oh my word! Uh, but I'll come back to you and make an offer if anybody wants it. My my son may not be able to go because he's going to be seeing his girlfriend. Isn't it terrible when you get to that age when you've got to go and see your girlfriend instead of going to the football? 
Left. I'm, I'm, I'm more the disgust in your voice is palpable. Well, <laughs> I mean, poor chap just needs to sort his priorities in life. Well, I'm, I'm more than game if um, if it becomes available. There's, there's always women, but we very rarely play Brentford. That's the way you should be looking at it. <laughs> um, so I've no doubt we will we will reconvene um, sometime after the um, the game at Newcastle to um, to discuss what's been going on uh, until then I think we've um, given um, our, our listener a, a fair amount to chew over on his, um, his commute we were going to say well done to the youth team for coming back 2-0 down against Charlton in the cup you just indeed have. yes well done you just have um, yeah, but when you say giving our listeners something for their commute that's, that's assuming they're working in Swansea is it <laughs> it's a shame they're working at all, frankly. Yes. Um, and, and we uh, also the, um, there's there's the CPO um, AGM next week, um, which we will we will endeavour to cover in a bit more detail the next time we talk to um, to yep. a little bit of gravitas and seriousness to uh, to proceedings. Not that yes. um, it happens that often. So, <laughs> in the meantime, anyone else have anything to uh, throw into the mix? I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> that's the turkey said. <laughs> don't wish to know that. Um, in which case, gents, thank you very much as always. Yes, and uh, very pleasant thank to speak to. Yeah, thank you. Until we speak again. And next Until time, we speak again. Good, okay, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.